Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Thanks for checking out this feed of my favorite interviews and best guests over the last seven years. Whether it's your first time or you're already in a deep dive, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Again, that is BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Adam Scott is here. We're taping this end of May. Big Little Lies premieres on HBO in June. And it's pretty sad that this was the reason that after 12 years, you finally came on. I know. We've I don't know been, how this hasn't we've happened. We've been casually just sort of planning this, literally, yeah. since you started doing this. Which yeah. was, was that 12 years ago? Yeah. Fuck. I've known you since 03. I started working for Jimmy Kimmel's show. Yeah. Daniel Kellison, the executive producer, your then girlfriend was the lead assistant. That's right. And she had this boyfriend who was an actor. Yeah. And you would come to the green room and hang out. Yeah. And we were like, oh, that's Naomi's boyfriend. I would it's- come to the show almost every night yeah. for free beer. <laughs> right. That was the best part of the show in your room. We had this oh, amazing it was, bar. It was incredible. And it was packed yeah. every night. Celebrities. Yeah. More celebrities than we actually had on the show somehow. Yeah. Celebrities would come to hang out there that they weren't willing to, <laughs> right. to go and, and then we would have down. the second lead from who wants to be a millionaire. Exactly. But meanwhile, like, you know, some A-listers exactly. having a gin and tonic yep. or something. It yeah, was so really you were there fun. all the time. And then all of a sudden it was like, Hey, did you hear about Naomi's boyfriend? I'm like what? He's in the new, he got the new Leo movie. Oh yeah. Like what? Yeah, that's right. Adam. That's right. You got the aviator and then that was it. Then you started getting roles and it was really I fun remember- to watch it happen. Thanks. I remember when I got that role, um, uh, everyone at Kimmel, who I had gotten to know hanging out every night drinking beer, were that was like where all of the like joy and support of getting this part, this role, where most of it came from was from all you guys like, hey, like it was like the Goodfellas when he gets out of jail. When right. the kid gets out of jail, like everyone was so nice and so uh, effusive. It was really nice. And it, it that was, was a big deal, though. That was like Leo was at his all time. Anytime he did a movie. Yeah. Was a and huge, Martin Scorsese. More, and Scorsese. Yeah. And we'd heard about the movie and they've yeah. been trying to make it for years. And yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even, you know, even though it was a small part, it was a huge deal for me. Um, but that was my first real like hands on experience with the the just the sort of love of Jimmy's crew and his family. And it's just a really tight, uh, tight knit group of, of lovely people. I really want to do a narrative podcast about year one of Kimmel's show. Oh and he'll God. never let it happen, but I really think it would be, why, everybody's why got not? 20 stories. Why? Like the first night when the girl puked in the audience? Yeah. In front of Bob Iger. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. You just put it all down. But and that I, I don't was, think he'll ever allow it. Because it, it, night one, the audience had an open bar. Yeah. That was part of the conceit of the show. Yeah. 
is the audience we want like a really lively a audience. We're gonna have them drink. They get there early, have yeah. some cocktails. Yeah. Didn't you work. have to find that woman who puked that yeah. first night and interview her. Well, da- Daniel still blames her because he I'm she sure didn't Daniel puke, does. If she didn't puke, it would have been fine. We would have it would have been awesome. But that it was sounds like, well, like that's the also name, why that sounds like the name of Daniel's autobiography. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if she didn't puke, it would have been fine. <laughs> Oh man, I remember thinking at the time, this seems dangerous, but I kind of like right. it, but not really understanding all the uh, but also repercussions. Like, I wonder why no one's done this before. Yeah, right, true. <laughs> like, why isn't anyone just fed alcohol to their uh, studio audience? It's funny, I was just thinking about it because we have this bug flying around attacking us. Uh, Jimmy just re-signed for three years, and yeah. he's actually going to be on for 20 years. And I, and, you know, I always think about that Fuck. first year. Wow. And was that 17 years ago that yeah, that happened? it was January, 2003. Wow. Yeah. So what you just said was a lot of the issue early on was we were trying a lot of stuff that nobody had tried before, but there's a reason people don't try stuff on, you know, yeah. you can't get in too innovative at 1130 because yeah. everybody's just used to a certain kind of show. Yeah. And, you know, eventually and you kind of settle into what you are. Jimmy didn't come out for a monologue he didn't wear a tie guest host yeah and you know cut to a couple years later he has a tie and he's doing the tie was a big concession yeah like there's there's certain things i i loved the early show for all of those reasons me too and i love the the show now i think the they've the um the show is as strong as it's ever been but the chaos of those early couple of years was really fun. And, you know, Bill Carter was around. Yeah. Um, and so there was this excitement to it because uh, you you felt like something was happening. And the fact that Bill Carter was a fly on the wall, you were like, oh, my God, this is the beginning of. And for me, and I'm sure you, you know, loving the late night culture and having read Bill Carter's books and the HBO movie yeah. and, and being such a Letterman fanatic since I was like 12 and knowing Jimmy was kind of continuing in the Letterman tradition. And it was just an exciting thing to be on a fly on the wall for, or a fly that, with a beer on the wall. That's how I felt. I, I really thought some of the stuff that happened that first like four or five months was great. Yeah, And I would love oh, to, totally. unfortunately, not a lot of it's on YouTube, but uh, just the guest house every week and how yeah, different each one was. Yeah, that was really was fun. And, like um, Snoop Dogg would be there all week. <laughs> right. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. There were some really weird ones. What were some of the other ones? Well, the, my favorite week was Jeff Ross because we just Jeff tortured Ross. him the whole week. That was but Yeah, there great. were some weird ones. Like Lewinsky was, was, she was? a guest host one week. And um, there were some that weren't great. We had some magician. I think that, I remember that. Or there was a psychic. That one went badly. He was going to go through the old Hollywood studio and find where the ghosts were. He was there all week or he was just- He a, was there. I think his name was John Edward. And then- Oh, John Edward. He showed up and couldn't find any ghosts at all. <laughs> and Jesus. It was, it's like, come on, it's <laughs> fake anyway. Just pretend there's some ghosts here. Right. Yeah. Just like make one up yeah. in the elevator. You or make anything. it all up. Come yeah. on. So you were here. You were part of this whole group- yeah. And then a lot of those guys, you know, like John Hamm was another one who was kind yeah. of lingering around. Yeah, yeah. And his girlfriend dated Hench's future wife, and everybody kind of knew each other. But John Hamm was like the guy. What show was he on? Sisters. He was a long at the time of of Kimmel. Uh, he was on um, or Providence the District. The District. It was like a lifetime cop show. Yeah. He was on with like Bonnie Bedelia and uh, Tajari B. Henson was also on that wow. show. Loaded yeah. show. Bring it back. Yeah. 20 years later. The so division. you guys all, you we had this whole little the crew. Division. Yeah. So we would just be there hanging out uh, all the time. It was really fun. And, you know, there's musical acts. You get to come and see awesome musical acts. Uh you grew up here though, right? You grew up in LA? I grew no, I grew up in Santa Cruz up in Northern California. Went to college here? I went to anything yeah, here? Sort of. I went to acting school in Pasadena. Acting school. Would yeah. you do that again? Uh yeah, sure. I mean, I was 18. Yeah. So 
anything was amazing. Just moving down here and starting acting school was just a seismic shift in my life. And so um, it was formative and it was, it was just a two year school and I loved it because finally school for me was about everything I was interested in. Um, when did you, you start doing the improv stuff? Oh, I didn't start doing any comedy stuff till like, uh, like 15 years into my career or career in quotes. Cause I didn't really have a career up until I did kind of just fell into comedy. That's yeah. kind of where a career sort of pieced together for me. Um, up until then I was, you know, piecemealing guest spots and like the odd great role in a, in a, in a small role in a great movie, like, um, aviator and stuff yeah. like that. But it wasn't until like stepbrothers that, and party down that I sort of, uh, a, something tangible started. So you had done no comedy until then really? No, I'm no, I, I, I was like a dramatic actor for the most part. I mean, I grew up being a comedy per like a comedy nerd, nerd yeah, like yeah. into SNL and, you know, three amigos and stuff. That's all I was in my, you know, friends and I were, that's all we would do. Monty Python, all that stuff, like any kid. Um, but, but I fancied myself a serious actor in theater school and all of that. Um, and then, uh, and then it wasn't until later on. Yeah. That it all sort of snowballed into something else. That sounds like John C. Riley. Cause he was on here. I think in November, it was kind uh -huh. of the same thing. Like serious actor who kind of liked comedy, but then was just good at comedy. And then yeah. all the people who made comedy just kept wanting to pull him into yeah. stuff, which seems like that's also what happened to you. Yeah. Um, did you see his movie, Sisters Brothers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, on, it's on demand. It's on all those things. I think people, it didn't do well in the theaters, but I think people yeah. will eventually see it. I think it's going to be one of those. It's going to circle around. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's sort of, I mean, the stepbrothers thing was a fluke because someone had that role and they had to pull out for a, some other TV for like a commitment. Yeah. And so they had to cast it quickly. And so they had these last minute auditions and I went in and just sort of had an idea of how to do this and just, it was, it was like, this will never, I'll never get this part. So I just went for it. And then before I knew it, I was auditioning again, this time with Will Ferrell. Yeah. And then I had the part and it was really crazy. It was really out of no. I mean, at the time I was working on this ultra uh, dramatic HBO show, Tell Me You Love Me. Do you remember that show? Oh, I wanted to talk about that oh, show. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. So I was <laughs> it's in one the, of my mom's was... favorite shows, just, just <laughs> so you can get Is a glimpse really? of how weird I am. Yeah. Um, I was between seasons on that, the second season, which ended up never happening. But I was going to say it was yeah. it was one and done. Yeah, it was it was a a period for HBO. It was that John in Cincinnati. There were a couple years there where they were kind of refinding themselves. It got, it got weird. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pre. Um, it was like John in Cincinnati. Tell me you love me in therapy or in treatment. Yeah. Which in treatment was awesome. And John in Cincinnati had some cool stuff too, but it was just this kind of reaching period where they were redefining themselves. It got super adult and super weird for yeah. like two and a half, three years. Like both our show and in treatment were rooted in therapy sessions. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was sort of like- Nothing just, resonates with America like, uh, yeah. like two therapy shows at the same time. Right. So- Anyway. A lot of prosthetic penises on that show. Yeah, I had a prosthetic penis. Because they, they, one of the big things, that show, which I think is still on the HBO app and stuff. Yeah, it is. It was like these couples all dealing with their relationship through some sort of sex thing. That's right. And so, but they really wanted to make the sex scenes realistic and they looked really realistic. They but did. then it turned out it was like fake balls, fake dicks, all I, that stuff. Yeah, I, you know, you go back and I, a couple of years ago, I went back and looked at that show and, um, it's really, really good. Cynthia Moore, who created it. I thought it, that show was brilliant. excellent. Yes. But you go back and look at it now. And at the time there was nothing like that. There was nothing 100% reality based. There was no, um, 
um, there, there was the tone was 100% reality. There were there was no reaching towards uh, any uh, higher tone. Yes, right? it this was, is what oh six oh seven. This was oh six. Yeah, yeah. Oh six was when we were shooting. It came out in oh seven. So, um, so, so, and the camera work was really. Uh, it was documentary like, and and you look at it now, no opening credits, which at the time had never really been done. After the HBO logo, the show just started, yeah, and it, the title didn't even come up till after the show, which now doesn't sound that special, but at the time it was this stark thing. Um, but you watch it now, and and you see it's 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 it was maybe a year or two ahead of this particular style. It's really good. Well, it's really, you talk about like from a rawness standpoint. Yeah. I agree. I think it was a trendsetter. I mean, even I remember Jane Alexander was the therapist. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jane Alexander. And she had a sex scene in it and it was like, whoa, even Jane Alexander is getting down on this. That was was just like a super raw show. It made sense. The older folks with like an explicit sex scene was really. Yeah. Nobody had done that. No, that was really interesting. Um, that was one of those shows that if your relationship wasn't secure and you watched a whole season with whoever you were with, at some point you kind of look at each yeah. other and you're like, yeah, that was a tough yeah. one to watch tough. with your special person. <laughs> if you had a lot of shit going on with your special <laughs> yeah, person, no. it was a tough one. Yeah, no. Um, so yeah, was that so, good? Was that good that you were on that show for every? I mean, obviously from the chops and stuff. But did you worry like you were pigeonholed as like you're on this weird therapy sex show on HBO? You know, the, the concern was certainly there that there was this. There was like an explicit sex scene at least every other episode, if not every episode. Yeah, not always for us because our Sonia Walgru played my wife, who's incredible. Um, she and I, our relationship went through like a tough period. So for some of it, we're like just crying about our miscarriage and going to therapy. And then our marriage hits the rocks a little bit. So, but early on, yeah, it was a lot of sexing. So yeah, of course you have that concern, but I had faith in what Cynthia was doing, which was really unique and special. And her writing was incredible. Yeah. Um, so what was that? What was that like? Were you married at that point? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I ever talked to you about this. What was that like when, when you're in all the, like this crazy, super sexual show and you're with somebody that you're going to have like a family with? Yeah. Um, we had just been married, uh, when, when I got that. And I remember kind of like when we got the, you know, when you're about to do a show, they send you the, the contract or whatever, where they're specifying every little thing they want you to do. And there was a lot of stuff in the deal about um, kind of how explicit they wanted to, to be with it, which is where we kind of specified, like, we'd rather go prosthetic than, you know, yeah. it, it got down to like that really nitty gritty stuff. And we were newly married and that. And I really thought this show was going to be something brand new that yeah. people have not seen before. But at the same time, I was also like, I need a, a job. Uh, I've never been a regular on a TV show before. Right. Um, you know, if it was, if it was feeling like, um, like a Cinemax, uh, what it was sexy after dark, what were those <laughs> College co-ed. What were those shows? You know, those Cinemax shows from like the nineties. If it felt like that. No, of course. You're like a detective. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, A Hawaiian detective, but it was shot in Burbank. It's fine. There's only three play by play mates in this. It's fine. Um, I, I, I wanted to, I desperately wanted to be on a a show and stuff. Um, And so I had to really kind of, think, am I doing this just because I want a job or do I really think this is something uh, kind of revolutionary in its little way? And I, and I really, truly did. I had to really kind of think about it because. Um, well, you found out you had a strong relationship. Yeah. Oh, she, Naomi. You and, found out. Yeah. Naomi and Sonia became really good friends she, and they still are. Do you guys have input on like the prosthetic balls or anything? <laughs> like color? Like, hey, that color is too light. I don't remember having any say, but I do remember 
You know, there was a scene where I had the prosthetic on and there was a, um, it was, uh, hooked up to a, a, a hose that went through the couch I was sitting on. Um, and there was a, a prop guy behind the couch with a pump and it, and it shot hair conditioner out. What? Uh, I don't remember yeah. this. Yeah, this was, I think this was the first episode, episode one. Oh my God. Um, and the scene that it's for is Sonia giving me a hand job because she's obsessed with pregnancy and she gives me a hand job and then has the, the, uh, the, spur, the, the come the in sperm. her, in her hand. And she's just ends up just like, looking at the properties of it in her hand and like it's 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 like clinical like she's just so obsessed with getting pregnant so the the end of that scene the the kind of end point for why we were hooking this silly thing up and was really interesting yeah it wasn't just a, like to have a cum shot in the show it was so we could end on this point with this woman just like this mysterious fluid i i, I just i need this baby it was a really interesting kind of end to it. That's why all that stuff was totally, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel weird about any of it because the, because it's smart. The main objective of it was an interesting. I remember that made endpoint. Entertainment Weekly's top 50 cum scenes when they had that issue. <laughs> yeah, they have that issue like, every I think it was year. was 18th. And I, I'm always like, God, what can I do to get back on How do we get higher? List? I got to get up back on that list. <laughs> so you do that show. And yeah. then all of a sudden, two years later, you're doing comedy with Will Ferrell yeah, and John yeah. C. Riley. And, and we did, we've done some, We last year we did some stepbrother stuff because it was 10 year anniversary. We did oh, like yeah. a Rewatchables podcast, we did oral history. I'm stunned by the legs that movie has. Yeah. It, it has become now kind of one of the OG comedies that yeah. people just mention. It gets passed down to new generations. It's on TV all the time. It's awesome. It shows right? no sign of ending either. I I, I love, I'm, it's the kind of movie that if I wasn't in it, I would, I would be, see it so over and over again. It's, you know, it's one of those. Um, I remember when the, the tell me you love me got canceled the weekend Step Brothers came out. Like we were about to start shooting second season yeah. and Step Brothers came out and that got canceled like the next day. And it was sort of like a sign like, oh, maybe I should take advantage of this. And, yeah. And it was so fun to work with those guys. Maybe I can keep doing that sort of thing. Cause that was a real, that was a blast. And then you get party down, which yeah. is like the ultimate people either loved, loved it or yeah. didn't know about it. Yeah. 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 Which is, which is a kind lot of, of people sweet still spot. kind of don't know about it, but the, the, the thing that that's kind of special that, people that do kind of feel ownership over it because yeah. it's not some You're like a little thing. indie band. Or yeah, something. yeah. 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 That was, that was great. Yeah. So that happened. That was two seasons, right? Yeah. We did two seasons. Um, so there's 20 of them out there, which isn't a small amount. I, oh, if, I guess if Twitter was the way it is now, I think that show keeps going. Cause I think yeah. there would have been a mob mentality with keeping it alive. Yeah. And it just would have kept going almost like what happened with Brooklyn 999 with, yeah. uh, when it got canceled, everybody yeah. lost their shit, and all yeah. of a sudden, somebody else is picking it up. But at the time, you know, our what ended up being the series finale, it was on Stars, and people didn't really know about it. The series finale had thirteen thousand viewers, so it was not when it was on. It was not a even like a an indie hit. It was just a thing that was on that no one knew about. It was after when it went up on Hulu and Netflix that people really started kind of well I still to it. I still felt like when it was on and maybe just because I live out here it was definitely kind of a thing like people knew yeah but people I think in maybe town it was probably like it. LA and New York and that's yeah, it probably. like if you're in Kansas City yeah um I remember there was a there's so the concept of that show for people who never saw it you guys were a catering company. Yeah. Just going to these different. So each episode was basically you went here, you went there mm -hmm. and stuff happened. And one of each well, episode's a different party. Yeah. One of them was a porn party. That's right. And it's like one of the funniest half hours of the last 15 years. Oh, good. That Thanks. was my personal favorite. Oh, good. It was just so fucking funny. Yeah. What was that guy's name? Ken Marino? Ken Marino. Yeah. He's, he's Ron, like dials it up in that one. Ron Donald uh, ends up having a giant dick. Of course. 
the the porn producers at this party were like, okay, come here. Listen, we need to talk. Yeah, we and, did the recruiting of yeah. He's like LeBron as mm-hmm. a free agent. Exactly. That was great. So that so now that has a second life because of the streaming, I guess. That's where people discovered it and and would love to try and figure out a way to get everyone back together and do do more of them maybe sometime down the road. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But um, everyone's on that show is so great. And everyone's, it was, it was so fun. It was really fun because not being discovered, having no one really knowing about the show by and large, no one really knowing about the show was part of what made making it so special is that we just felt like we were doing this for ourselves and we were having more fun than anyone in the world. And this was, we're making the best show. We don't care if anyone, so it was like this kind of like we were a street gang or something. Yeah. It was really, really fun. Um, Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah. Lizzie, Ken. Breaking uh, out of her Mean Girls because she was the uh, Janice yeah, and Mean Girls character mean, mean with girls. the goth. And yeah. it's like, oh, I have this whole other side. Um, you had a couple shows that the streaming really gave it a second. I mean, Parks and Rec and Good yeah. Place were popular anyway, but I yeah. think the streaming. For sure. I know has, I know I saw with my daughter, like she banged yeah. out every good place in, you know, like yeah. five days. Yeah. Cause that's, that's where my kids watch it too. It's all 22 minutes goes to the next one. Yeah. Bang out three in an hour. Yep. We were just watching, we've been watching Key and Peel with our kids. Oh, really? Just sit down and watch like six of them. It's so fun. We watched this weekend, we watched nine episodes of All American. Oh yeah, on Netflix. My it's a CW son. show. Is it good? My son oh, likes it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. Right? It was great. It's got like a little OC. It's got a little One Tree Hill. Yeah. It's got a little White Shadow. It's got all these different Friday Night Lights. All these different shows that I've liked. Little pieces of oh, it. That's cool. It's good. It's an. I mean, it's if you live in LA too, it's a good one. Cause oh yeah, they, I should I should watch that with him. I, he he's really because my son's really into football, so he kind of. How old are your that. kids now? Uh. My son is 12 and, and daughter is 10. Oh, so you're at the age now where they're watching your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't watched Parks and Rec yet solely because I'm on it. They really? just figure like, why watch that? <laughs> but they love like The Office and uh, Good Place. and Oh, The Office stuff. is another. I mean, yeah. It's streaming with that one. So fun. I feel like The Office is, is going to be potentially eternal. At least yeah. for the next like 30, 35 for years sure. of. For sure. Because the syndication, it seems like it's slowly drifting into that Seinfeld spot of. Yeah. You're just flicking channels and it's, it's always on five on. channels. Yeah. And yeah. then it's always on one of these streaming services. And I'm sure eventually one of the streaming services will just, they're all going to like carve out their own content and launch their own things. And- well, I heard that. That 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 it's not going to be on Netflix much longer. It, it shouldn't because be because it's been so huge on there. They're moving it to the to the Universal streaming. Isn't that what they're doing? Yeah, that's what I heard. Anyway, I that's know. what's going to happen. Yeah, all these places are going to realize. Don't give Netflix yep. our IP. I guess so. I guess that's we did that when they bought Thirty for Thirty from us. I don't know, like two thousand twelve on we, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, and we thought it was great because we'd already done the episodes. They're like, oh, cool. They're giving us more money for things we already did. Yeah. Great. And yeah. then not realizing that Netflix was this evil genius that's so snapping they, up all this IP. Do they have it forever? No, they just had it for like two, three years. Oh, but okay. that's from like 13 to 15. That's how they basically built their business. They were yeah. paying all these people for things. They're like, really? You're, you're sure. giving me a check for that? Great. Yeah. And then they get a whole business out wow. of it. Pretty smart. So smart. So which which show do people mention to you the most? Uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah? Yeah. Tell me about Big Little S. Um, the, uh, yeah, season two is, re- I, have, I haven't, uh, I, I'm going to watch it along with everyone else. I have, even though I know all, everything that happens, I haven't seen the finished episodes yet, but, um, but I'm really excited Season two is really juicy. Meryl Streep is in it now. I've heard of her. Yeah, she's uh, she's a good kid. You know, I think she's going to do well. Yeah. We're all rooting for her. A lot of potential. A lot of potential. A lot of potential. Um, but, you know, we'll see. 
We'll see how she does. You're married to Reese on that show, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I watched all of them, but I haven't seen them since yeah. I watched them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reese is what? Not great. the most functional marriage. No. Um, the the marriage has its challenges. <laughs> um, but you know, I think also there's so much dysfunction um, on that show that. I, I always I, I'm always hoping for at least one of those relationships to to pull through to make it. Yeah, but you know who knows which one that's going to be. But uh, yeah, I, the season two is going to be really really fun for everyone. That I'm excited. It's the back. First one. Yeah, we're doing a whole Twitter post game show for it. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, it was just I love those seven episode shows. Yeah. The, what about new Game model. of Thrones? Were you did you wish this last season was longer? Or yeah. were you not a Game of Thrones watcher? Oh, I was a Game of Thrones okay. watcher. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we we milked it for all the content possible. Okay. Okay. Here at the Ringer. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. The Watch. We did. Yeah, the Watch we did, is uh, great. We, Actually, we had binge mode. We did the post game show. Yeah. We did a whole bunch of stuff. On the way here, I was hitting refresh on my um, uh, podcast app, waiting for the new yeah, Ringer the new it, yeah. with Andy Greenwald. I, I've got to know what they thought about last night. Well, now Andy's a showrunner. You got to. I know, but you is might he going to be acting for him at some point in your life? Is he going to be doing the the po- the finale, the post finale kind of yes. commentary today? Yes. Okay. Good. I think so. I hope so. Good. At some point, he'll do it. If it's not today, yeah. Yeah. The. Uh, you know, it's weird. Obviously, the internet now exists just to get mad about everything, and people felt such ownership about the show. Oh, they, I thought. Honestly, I thought. That was ridiculous, but go ahead. No, so, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I like, I don't know what people kind of want. It's never going to be perfect. Um, I think the one fair criticism is just like it, because I watched the first, four, like, I think four seasons recently trying to get, remember yeah. whoever. Sure. It's been so long. And the show had a certain pace to it and it was really deliberate. Yeah. And then when something big happened, it felt momentous. Yeah. And I think over these last two years, because they were on this race to finish it, the pace was off a little bit where it, you yeah, know, the pace it was, more was big, increased. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish there had just been more episodes so they could have kept the same kind yeah. of pace. I still think it's an incredible television show. I thought last week's, the second to last episode, I thought that was incredible. I couldn't believe that people were mad me, about it after. Me too. Like, that was one of the best 80 minutes I've ever seen Here, in my life. Here's my, my biggest problem with the uproar uh, from the penultimate episode, which was, Danny's turn was it's not like it they hadn't led breadcrumbs to it first of yeah. all there she had had some homicidal tendencies throughout the years and Tyrion had kind of been pulling her back as well as uh Varys um and ta- talking her back from the ledge a couple times but she also had this inherent goodness to her but things were shaky with her but the big turn had to be shocking and had to be sudden. Otherwise, Tyrion and Jon Snow would have stopped her because they were sure. getting warnings from everywhere and they were just like, no, she, it's, it's okay. Like they were hesitant and a little freaked out that day that things could go bad, but they, in their heart of hearts, thought she was going to do the right thing. If it was clear that she was gonna, that she was taking a an evil turn, they wouldn't have let it happen. So if it was crystal clear and we, we there was a perfect roadmap up to that turn, we would have had a huge problem with Jon Snow and Tyrion as characters for not stopping it. Does that make sense? I'm with you, and I also feel like. Like she, she did have stuff happen to her that made it likely yeah. that she was going to snap, you know, yeah. like she lost the dragon. Yeah. She found out that the guy she thought she was going to marry was like her nephew. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a problem. Um, her best friend was beheaded right in front of her. That's as, a problem. As, and she couldn't trust anyone around her. She knew that eventually Jon Snow was more likely to get the throne than her because of the way everyone responded around yeah. her. And she kind of lost her shit. I, I actually see, thought it was realistic. Yeah, she could see that people just inherently loved him. Yeah. And she decided, she says, I need to rule with fear. Um, also, are we really going to nitpick with the 
intentions and motivations of somebody who can walk through fire and yeah. gave birth to three dragons. That's the thing. When That's a, people always took this show so seriously, and I yeah. never really understood it. They're like, oh, the way this show treats women. It's like, they treat everyone horribly. Yeah, everyone <laughs> Every gets person sliced is, and diced. Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, I, I mean, I quibbles here and there is fine because you're going to have that with anything. But I'll, some of the uproar I saw, like David and Dan, we want to remake the season. Like, it's insane. Remake the season with new Did you see new that? Show, they, yeah, there new showrunners. I mean, that is bonkers. Like, if you're watching television and something is different than the specific thing you had in your head and that upset, like, that's... So that's why I think Breaking Bad was like the only one people were truly happy with at the yeah. end. Because they, so. they knew the whole time how it was going to end. Yeah. Once you don't know how something's going to end, yeah, you want maybe it to end the way right. you want it. So think about it. Like, I, people were so pissed off at Seinfeld. Yeah. I had, I think five years ago, I had Larry David on my podcast yeah. when I was at ESPN. And we talked about the Seinfeld thing for like, 10 minutes and he hadn't really talked about it, but he's kind of pissed off about that. People were, As that took it so personally. Out. Yeah. It's They're so like, weird. It's the last show. It's fine. Yeah. we ha It has to end somehow. Yeah. It's can't end the way. Per so you have that, the Sopranos that made people crazy. Yeah. Lost made people crazy. Yeah. It's, it's basically every show except Breaking Bad made everybody crazy. It's a, it's a losing battle no matter what you do, I guess. Uh, which is a testament to how good your show is that people care that much ultimately. Yeah. And I get having a huge investment in something. I mean, Phantom Menace broke my heart. So there, right. there you go. I, I get it too. I, so, you know, I totally get it. I guess with Game of Thrones, I just didn't see the, the, the pro the, the huge problem. I thought it was, effectively carried out the like you said the pace was accelerated the last two seasons um but once you accept that and go on that ride with them um it's great it just For needed me. it needed like 10 more scenes of characters hanging out with with nuance that it just didn't seem like it had the time to do yeah i mean it used to be the journey from winterfell to king's landing would take an entire season or yeah. at least four or five episodes. And then in season seven, they were making the journey back and forth. You know, in one episode, they would just uh, arrive somewhere else. So they were just turning the, cranking the timeline up just so- Sounds like you're mad you weren't cast on the show. <laughs> what, <laughs> no. what, job, what, what role would you have wanted? Oh my God. I, there, I, there's little no, Finger is the there, best role. There is not one role I could pull off in that show. Come little, on, you could have been Little Finger. Little Finger was a great role. That guy was That's great. That's a good role. Oh my God, he was awesome. What Would you want fun. to be a eunuch or no? Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm essentially a eunuch in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so he was terrific too. Oh my God, what great acting on that show. It was, it was funny, we ended up with uh, Brand the Broken as our king yeah. and then Grey Worm the eunuch running the Unsullied. And yeah. It was really, all hell broke loose. But so- was were the unsullied? They were leaving forever at the end, right? Never got a feel for the unsullied. Yeah, but last and was night, there a they sullied? Were... Was there a second like arrival? Yeah, the, sullied, the sullied. It's the inverse of the unsullied. Yeah. So the where unsullied, were they? Does unsullied mean no genitalia? Is that what that means? Kyle, let's go with that. Okay, <laughs> Kyle's our Game of Thrones historian. Okay. Oh, are you, did you read all the books, Kyle? No, no. I just, we watched, I watched closer. Than he's also my nephew, so we watched <laughs> okay. all of them. So anytime my wife and I didn't understand what was going on, we would ask Kyle. Okay. And sometimes he would know. Okay. Other times, no. But at the end of last night's episode, they were all getting on ships to leave forever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where they were, were they going? They were going to, I believe, where Masande, his girl, was from. I okay. think they were going to go like, help him out. Like, free everybody. Yeah, I think that was the move. Yeah. Um, Grey Worm. I, I still think he kills Jon Snow at the end. Yeah. Maybe, or at least tries to maim him or something. <laughs> that was how, how, okay. My big question was how long was the period of time from when he kills Danny to when they have the council? How long were they in prison? Well, on the show, it was like the next moment. <laughs> it was the next moment. Everybody knew about it. Apparently it had been on the internet. In so the it had to be like a few months, right? right. Because- yeah. Because it was a, uh, it was on Twitter. Obviously. I think we're supposed to tell the time by Tyrion's facial the, hair, the beards. Yeah, 
And then See, he got it nice and trimmed, so we knew some more right. time had passed. I thought it was like six months. My wife thought it was a few weeks, but they don't say, do they? Okay. I think if you're going to criticize them for anything, they kind of missed with Bran Stark, the actor, where, where he just, it's tough with the child actors. You just never know. But I, I, I just wanted more from Bran Stark. I don't yeah. think the stare off in the distance can be your only move with, yeah, with that role. But once you're the three-eyed Raven, Raven, maybe that's all. Was Max von Sydow doing more than staring off into uh, when he was, before he died? <laughs> was that kind of his maybe thing? Maybe Max off? von Sydow? Yeah. What, why did it get so dark all of a sudden? What just happened? Are we getting invaded? We're, there's a dragon that flew Jesus. in front of the sun. <laughs> that last dragon came back. Um, so you got big little eyes. What's next for you? You know, I have a show that I'm really excited about, um, but we haven't completely dotted the I's and crossed the T's. So okay. I can't, which is so stupid and pretentious sounding, but I can't say anything about it yet. But I'm excited to, uh, to, to to do so when I can, but um, but that's I'm gonna start that soon. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think we hit everything. Yeah. I'm sorry I can't talk about sports really, other than I, I wasn't expecting. No, sports I know. From you today. I know. I I just I I know when you guys can't talk about sports, there's no better person to talk about it with than you. So I, I wish I had that. more more. Uh, no, I knew the sports thing knowledge. wasn't going to be there. Oh, I forgot to ask you. I had two more questions. Oh, by the way, the the when we were talking about Meryl Streep and making jokes about her being a, a young upstart, uh, she is both incredible and the coolest. I don't I didn't want to leave it on a sarcastic note. She is uh so so cool and and uh and as incredible as you would hope. Yeah, I forgot so, to ask you because you've worked with a lot of interesting people. So I thought, say the name, one thing you learned from them. We'll start with oh my God. Leo from their process um, or their general state of being. What One thing you learned from Leo? From him, and this was a while ago now, but um, just focus and just always where I was just impressed with his with how hard that guy was working like locked um, in constantly yeah and not like he's in character all the time or anything like that but just um just working his ass off how about scorsese uh just so collaborative um just always interested in what any everyone's bringing to the table like there are li- a couple. There are lines in in um, in Aviator that uh, that that I not improvised as like improvised like early on, like words I would find in like an old 1920s slang dictionary and bring it. And he's like, "That's great, yeah." And so it's in the Aviator, you know. Yeah. Um, and everyone is like that. Everyone's welcome to bring their own thing to the table. And that's why he gets such wonderful performances is he's letting everyone just sort of grow on camera, like just like include and be alive on uh, while it's happening. It's really a great thing to be a part of, but also really fun to watch him with actors. And he's and McKay's like that too, right? Yes. Yeah. Totally. That's like his calling card. Yeah. Just whatever you got, bring it and we'll try it all. That that's what with McKay is what I really learned, and Scorsese too, um, was just try it all, and if it's not working, just, just don't use it. Like, yeah. who cares? Like the the preciousness is gone. Just give it a shot. What about Farrell? I didn't learn anything from him. <laughs> <laughs> um, same thing. He and McKay was kind of uh, of of one there. There really lovely sweet guys and i didn't know what the hell i was doing i had never improvised before so i was really lost to see they were very generous to me in the cutting room on that movie uh for sure um but uh but when i came out the other side of that movie i felt like i had learned a lot and by the time it ended i felt like i had i could at least 
um, uh, improvise and, and, and I kind of understood what they were doing, but for a lot of it, I was, I was, uh, I, I, they were, I was kind of in over my head, but you know, I think they love that though. They, they love that? Yeah, that's what I think when we did the oral history, they were talking about how they threw you into this tornado. And yeah. They were kind of enjoyed how you were, yeah, you know, like the rookie in this whole thing, just yeah. kind of coming up with things that they wouldn't have thought of. Man, it, it was it was really fun. It was quite an experience and, and really, really fun. What about Polar? Uh, she's just the best, just the most generous uh and every time we had so many scenes together over the years and every time we did, um, it was always special. There was always just a, a, I never took it for granted. And I know she didn't with that whole show. She was, she was always so engaged and, and interested in everything that again, that everyone was bringing to it and gave everyone room. Like, the most generous scene partner and kind of, you know, she's a leader of the cr crew of actors there and really important to her that everyone has room to shine and, yeah. and do their thing, which is, uh, which is not as common as you would think, you know, she's, she was, she's a really great person and, and clearly a great actress as well. How about Mike Shore? Again, nothing. I have nothing to say. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike's a brilliant person and and a a, a great guy. Um, and so you know, hell of fun. a travel baseball parent. He run. He's the guy that runs the box score thing for our little app. We our he sons does? are on the same team. Yeah, he's putting in like strike balls outs. That makes that, walking around with it with his hat on like. Including stuff, surprise yeah. me at all. Really into it. I half his tweets I don't understand because it's just baseball stats. I think Joe Mandy <laughs> tweets back. I don't care. Otherwise, <laughs> I would. Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, so fun and uh, just an impressive person. Put together, she is another so one who I think is going to make it. Yeah, I think she might. I think she might do all right. And yeah. I'm, I'm again, I'm pulling for her. Yeah, me too. Uh, she's a, a really smart, impressive person, and what an incredible actor too. Good lord, is it when somebody's involved with running a show, but they're also acting on the show? What's yeah. the balance with that? Um, you know, I think that there's there's a uh, there's a way to do it that's that you watch someone like Polar or you watch Reese um, that's just graceful and you just it's just I've, you know you're when you're acting you're just focused on that right um, but in it's between like two takes, people yeah and when in between takes you can be thinking about you know what it is you want to tweak and um, especially if you're directing at the same time it's it's not that hard it just depends on if you have the mind for it or not yeah yeah the other one I, question i forgot to ask you was it is hard i'm just they make it look easy i guess is what yeah, i'm I imagine it's hard yeah. um was there one part that you were like oh man that part oh yeah god so many if only that one i've oh my god i mean i auditioned for all the scream movies did you really? Oh yeah, I know what you did last summer. I was here for all of that. Oh yeah, because you were in. Weren't you in Party of Five? I was. Yeah, I was on Party of Five. I love that show. Yeah. Well, who were you in Party of Five? I, don't I was. Um, it, I was just. You on didn't. For you didn't convince Bailey to start drinking, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, he had an alcohol thing, right? It's tough, man. Oh, tough God. intervention in that show. They were all nice. Those those uh, Scott Wolf and all of them. They yeah. were so kind. I, I was only on for like half a season or something. Uh, I actually, I feel like I got sort of fired. They just, stopped, really? they just stopped using me because I remember we were on a location in San Francisco and Nev Campbell and I had a scene where we're walking across the street and a cable car kind of goes by right behind us. So that it's a big expensive shot and they were on a crane and stuff. And I kept forgetting my line. So they kept having to back the cable car up and do it over. And oh, over. Jesus. And, 
now being older and having produced and stuff, I know like, well, we can't keep using this guy if he's going to not be able to remember lines when we have a cable car going. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but that was, yeah. So I, yeah. So I was, I've been around since all that stuff. So, I mean, I auditioned for all that. Did you ever do a cup of coffee on 90210 or no? I did audition for 90210 for a guest spot once. Jason Priestley was directing. And I remember he he was directing me in the audition. And then I did not get the role. Scorsese and Priestley. Yep. Priestley rejected me. Scorsese hired me. Wow. So you're really out here hitting all the, all the staples. Dawson's Creek. No. One Tree Hill. No, no. Didn't audition for those. Melrose Place, I think was done by the time I got here. That's too bad. Yeah, I know. That's a real bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been like a a bar back at the bar. I could have done so much with one of those roles. Shit. It would have been great. (laughs) But then back then, like not getting the role on 90210 or whatever guest spot it was, was such a bummer. But we talked, Ham's been on this podcast a bunch of times, and we always end up talking about that mid, that 96 to 2000. Yeah. We just had all these young people out here. Yeah. You know, ge- the Generation X. Yeah. People, what are you going to do? I don't know. You move to Hollywood because yeah. other people have done that. And yeah. then you're out here you're like, and you're just kind of fighting. You're running into the same people at every audition, at every yeah. bar. Fascinating times. Now, yeah. I think the internet's probably made it a lot easier to get discovered and or well, at least yeah. kind of know where to go and what to do. You can make your own stuff now. Yeah. You with the when I was starting like if you wanted to make your own movie, you had to somehow get all this equipment, right? Like cameras make and it do with your iPhone and shit. Yeah. You can make a great looking movie on your on your phone. And if it's good, then people will We'll pay attention to it. I, I, I mean, we had Steven Soderbergh when at Sundance. We did a pod with him. He's really interesting. Yeah, we were just talking about this next generation of whoever. Yeah. Now that the equipment is so cheap and so easy, like what's going to happen? Like my daughter, my daughter's fourteen. She has friends who like make little mini movies already, yeah. but they can do it so easily and edit it. And well, of course, uh, Soderbergh made his last movie on the iPhone. right. That's how we were talking about yeah. it. Yeah, and I was like, "You think you're going to inspire people to make movies on iPhones?" Like, I don't know, but I mean, the way they did it, they you know they had these. He, he's the best person who's going to yeah. make a movie on an iPhone. But it's still like other people could do versions well, of that. Well, he used that incredible lens. That yeah. I don't know wh- what lens he attached to his phone, but that movie, High Flying Birds, there's was, that this was one cool. lens. Oh, it was great. I like that movie. Did you see The Nick? Did you watch The Nick? I never watched The Nick. We oh, had Chris dude, and Andy love that show. It's, you got to watch the, you and your wife should sit down and watch those two seasons. Soderbergh directed all of them. Yeah. And it is unbelievable. It's the best show in the last few years. Wow. Oh, it's incredible. Interesting. Anyway. Better than Party Down? Well, yeah. It's kind of the Party Down of 19th century <laughs> hospital shows. <laughs> or 20. It's early 20th century. Early 20th century, 20th century yeah, grizzly yeah. hospital shows. Yeah. yeah that's right. right. I'll put it on my radar. Please uh, do. Adam Scott, great to do this finally. Thanks, Good luck Bill. with Big Little Eyes. Thanks Good luck for with having everything. Me. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for coming on. Thank you. Too.